1: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117 and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out.
0: What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 447 for June 9th, 2020. Two man game. We're running the two man game this week. It's myself, Ryan McCaffrey, and I'm very pleased to be joined. Uh, making he's been on Unlock before, although I think the last time you were here, Paris, I was out for something. So oh. I don't know if you you and I have uh, podcast unlocked together. But Paris Lilly from Gamertag Radio. It is great to have you
1: here. No, thank you for having me. And you're correct. Uh, last time you were out, and I basically filled in for you. And Destin was was hosting, and uh, it was a great conversation. And I'm um, finally you and I actually get a chance. To link up now and uh talk on on the podcast this will be a lot of fun yeah,
0: it'll be great i appreciate you Comes short notice too you were, <laughs> you were very kind to uh to jump on with me so uh we've got a lot to talk about that's that's the the good news here it's a busy week of xbox plus i mean just as far as next gen gaming we got the sony event the ps5 event rescheduled coming up for thursday so should be a good one a uh, quick housekeeping note IGN Summer of Gaming kicks off right now. If you if you're watching this, it started. So the good news is some live stuff from earlier. It's fine. Just go back and watch it on ign.com or uh, youtube.com slash ign. A lot of game reveals, developer interviews, all kinds of fun stuff happening on IGN. Our uh, our attempt to sort of fill the E3 void a little bit has officially begun. Uh and in fact, really on that note, Paris, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this too, because I know I, I've had a lot of uh thoughts here. We were we should be at E3 or we would have been at E3 right now. Um how many E3s would this have been for you? Because you've you've been uh, in the game a little while as this, well
1: believe it or not, this would have been year 18
0: for wow. me. Wow. Nice.
1: Because I I just the backstory. I live out in Southern California and LA area. So I used to Fudge my credentials and I'd been going since 01 when the Xbox first came there and I remember seeing Halo at the time and I go it was, I don't know if you were there or not but I remember it was buggy on the show floor, it didn't show very well and I go, this is never going to work and obviously here we are today (laughs) but uh, yeah, I kind of unofficially have been going since 01 and then I started getting media credentials in 07 and I only missed one year since and then obviously here we are now in 2020, but yeah, it's pretty bittersweet. It kind of hit me like a ton of bricks uh, a couple days ago. That oh my god, everyone would be coming to LA right now. We'd yeah. all be hanging out right now, and you know, um, unfortunately, COVID happened, and there's no E3. We would have the Xbox media briefing by now. We we'd have seen Halo Infinite and just just everything that would have gone along with that. So it's unfortunate, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here, and we'll get all these reveals soon.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm kind of with you where the games will come. And in fact, I'm sure you mentioned Halo Infinite. 343 is probably happy that they have an extra yeah. like month and a half before they before they have to, you know, to polish up their their E3 build before they show it to the world. And uh but yeah, I just I miss E three. Like I'll tell you, it would have been I was I'm a little behind you. I think this would have been either my sixteenth or seventeenth. I'd have to go back and add it up. But uh it, I'll tell you, I miss hanging out with people. Like, right. Yeah. I know I've I run into agree. you on the show floor before, and uh, I just—it's the people that I that I really miss. That—that's just like, man, that's that's the bummer part. That's where you know I I sort of had started to adjust adjust to this quote unquote new normal of of COVID life, and but that's when I think about that and that I'm not running into people, and it's like, oh man, I really miss being out and actually. Just randomly bumping into people that I know at E3.
1: Agreed. I mean, that's the thing. I was going through old pictures from previous E3s, and I started bumming myself out. I go, "Wait, we're not going to do this this year. This is unfortunate, you know." And I and I know we can debate the relevance of E3 anymore, but it's like you said, it's about the people. It's about just the the, the friendships and the new acquaintances that you make at an event like that over a week span that that I'll truly miss this year. So hopefully, it returns in some form in 2021.
0: Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, a lot, I know a lot of people out there, a lot of the chatter I see is like, oh, good written Z3, you're irrelevant anyway, blah, blah, blah. But I I like the industry. Maybe I'm just an old man yelling at a cloud, but I like yeah. the industry having this one Super Bowl-like moment for for everything to just focus on for a week. And and if, if that doesn't come back, I'm going to miss it because – Sure, Agreed. there are advantages to doing it this way, and and having everything kind of spread out and what have you. But yeah, I'll just miss that. Like the the way I'd always describe it, I don't know if you feel this way is being at E3 is kind of like being in the eye of a hurricane, uh, but in a good way. Where, yeah, <laughs> where, right. where yeah. you know, there's so much going on, and you're you're you don't even know everything that's going on. Like people at home actually, in some ways, have a better idea of the full picture of what's going on at E3 but I wouldn't trade the excitement of being at, at the eye of that thing for anything else.
1: Oh, agreed. I mean, just, just take the Xbox media briefing last year. I only remember two things from that event, Keanu Reeves yeah. and halo infinite. That's it. Because those were like, especially obviously Keanu Reeves coming out. That was just such a magical moment. And to be in the crowd when that happened, it's just, it's something you'll never forget. Yeah.
0: Good stuff. Well, uh, did you watch the? Did you get the the trailer? Speaking of Keanu Reeves, did you watch that Bill and Ted trailer this morning? Yes,
1: yes, I did. I'm it, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm I'm an old man, so I I watched the originals, you know, in in the theater. So I'm absolutely excited to see this yeah. come back.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be uh just a. I I hope it's one of those like because sequels that of beloved things that come back after like multiple decades have kind yeah. of a mixed track record. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how it turns out, but. Anyway, all right. Let's talk some more Xbox here. Let's get started with uh, the news because there is plenty of it to get to. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Paris. I uh, as much as I miss having the regular panel here, I actually like the occasional two-person podcast because it just ends up being uh, more of just a cool back and forth discussion. Yeah. So don't tell Destin and Miranda, <laughs> but it, I'm kind of glad it's just the two of us this week. We got to change things up uh, and let's and especially because before we got on the air. You said you've got some strong opinions on this first topic. So here we go. We've got some hard evidence of the Xbox Lockhart, the so-called diskless, cheaper, lower spec next-gen Xbox to complement the Series X. We've got some evidence of its existence because Microsoft to date has not officially breathed a word of this thing. There's just been a lot of leaks, a lot of speculation. References to Xbox Lockhart have appeared in uh, have been found in the Windows operating system libraries. A tip of the cap to Jez Cordon at Windows Central for that. Uh, images from the operating system's code were tweeted out uh, off, on sort of on top of a of a Jez tweet by Title OS, and it includes five references of the Lockhart code name found within several of Windows's System thirty two library files. They include files specifically featuring the phrase xbox dash lockhart as well as xbox dash anaconda which of course the latter being the code name for the series x so lay it on me paris what do you think about this thing
1: so for me with lockhart i I, i've gone back and forth on uh, i originally was completely against lockhart i go why are we bringing out a second console this doesn't make sense Go with the Series X. You still have the Xbox One hardware that you've already said is going to stay relevant for at least a, a year, maybe even two years after launch. So let's let's just do that. Why are we introducing Lockhart? Then I started to realize, OK, I get it, especially in th- there's a competition with PlayStation. They're both playing chicken right now on who's going to announce the price And that if the Series X, we, we know the technical specs of it. It's not going to be cheap. And you want to make sure you have a low-cost option for people that don't necessarily care about 4K. They're still playing on 1080p screens, things of that nature. So I'm like, okay, now I understand. I understand why they're doing it. And the fact that the SSD allegedly is is going to be in Lockhart, things of that nature, I get it. But now I'm at this point where, all right, Lockhart's a thing. I understand it is most likely going to happen, but I don't want to see it in 2020. I don't think there's a reason for it in 2020. I think you launch series X and again pretend $500 it's 499 yeah. you you put it out against a PlayStation you know there might be a $50 difference it may be the same whatever but you still have the Xbox 1 and i've always said that Xbox 1 X is such a a great piece of tech that it would be a shame to see that thing just go away and it's only been around what since 2017 yeah. but if you really think about it that the Xbox One X and the and the one S are your real low cost options for gamers in 2020 and even into 2021. So thinking along those lines, you introduce Lockhart when you cut the cord to the Xbox One, when you say the Xbox One is no longer going to be able to play any of these next generation games. That's when you introduce Lockhart, you say it's two ninety nine or whatever it is. It also has the fast SSD, which can take advantage of things that can only be done on the Series X, but it's scaled at a cheaper price and for someone that's playing at 1080p or 1440p. And I think parents, me, would really appreciate that because I don't have to go run out and spend four or $500 on a new console when the Xbox One is no longer relevant. So those are, those are kind of my long-winded thoughts on it. So I'm curious what you think about that.
0: Well, I think the, the rest of the unlocked panels fired because you're making a lot of sense. You're making so much <laughs> sense. No, seriously. Like it's, I mean, that it, it's funny. Cause we, we talked, we talked about that the very first whispers of Lockhart we were kind of with you like, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's for down the road, but then the rumors started to seem like it was going to be both of them this fall. And I'll tell you, I'm, now you've kind of you seriously like you've just you've just can you've just got me thinking now you've made so much sense with that case that maybe you're right because maybe that's why we haven't heard any whispers about it from microsoft because that was kind of what i had in my notes here was okay if this thing is real as it seems to be now i would caveat it by saying it's possible that lockhart's been shelved that it's that it's been put away that these these uh references to it in the windows files are just vestigial and nothing's going to come of this they just said you know what we're going to be aggressive with our series x pricing let's kill the other project but i think more likely it is real and it's just a question of if it's coming in in uh for day one alongside the series x I sit here and go, when, when and how are you going to message that? Because I don't know how you feel, Paris, but so far here on Unlocked, we've been very much applauding Microsoft after years of having to criticize them. I, I think their Series X messaging has been, for the most part, flawless thus far. I mean, we know the the May event didn't go right. over super great. Right. It, they clearly learned a lot from that. I've talked to people internal at Microsoft. They know. Uh, but But that aside, like their messaging has been so good that if Lockhart is a day one thing this fall alongside Series X, how do you message it? And I don't know the answer to that.
1: I, I, I agree that that and that's kind of my thing, because you've been promoting the Series X It's next gen, just all the all these awesome features that we've seen. And I'm here for it. Hey, sign me up. I absolutely Series X looks like an amazing piece of tech. But then you go. But then here's basically the budget version of it. But then you also still have the One S and the One X out there as well. And again, if you talk about low price options, think about it. The One S, all digital. God, is that thing 150 bucks this holiday? I mean, it's, it's going to be dirt cheap. And yeah. you can still say it's going to play Cyberpunk. It's going to play Halo Infinite. It's going to play Forza 8 or whatever else is going to come out this holiday. And for the budget, you know, conscious consumer, there you go. Or get the One X. It does stuff in 4K and all that. It just seems to me, logically, you don't unveil like the only let's put it this way. The only reason that we even have Lockhart is price. That's it. So you're not going to talk about it until you're ready to say how much it costs. So if it doesn't come out this year, I almost think they don't even show it. I mean, it it would not shock me at all that we don't hear anything about Lockhart until maybe E3 next year. And then they say, this holiday, we're coming out. We're no longer making an Xbox One. But if you still don't want to spend X amount for the Series X, here's another option for you. And that that would be Lockhart.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, like my thinking was, okay if it's this year, they're going to just show it, name it. Release date, price it all in one swoop. They're not gonna, they're not gonna drag out the Lockhart. They're not gonna be like, well, (laughs) come on back at our next Xbox Twenty Twenty showcase, and we'll tell you what the price is. No, they're gonna. This thing's just gonna be a quick and quick and dirty. Like, here's what it is, here's what it does, and maybe doesn't do, and here's when you can buy it and how much it costs. I can't imagine that that it's gonna be. any kind of pomp and circumstance the way we've had with the series x it's uh
1: i mean think of it this way yeah yeah think of it this way like in 2016 they teased at the time was project scorpio but the one x they teased it as this next thing you had developers and these montage videos and then even again last year they teased out the series x the same thing the whole montage this is the future you can't do that with Lockhart because it's not the future. It's the bu- budget version of what you've already talked about. So like you said, whenever they say Lockhart, it has to immediately come out with a price or what's the point, in my opinion.
0: All right. So we, we'll we see. It's uh, <laughs> place your bets out there on Locked yeah. audience because who, who knows what's going to happen with this thing and when. All right. uh, I'm so glad you're here for many reasons. One, so I don't have to talk to a camera alone. That's number one. But number two, because there was some big Destiny news today. You're a big Destiny player. I wish I had Destiny here so the two of you could just take it away as bona fide experts. But instead, uh, I will do my best to hang in the conversation with you. What uh, Destiny really, Bungie really uh, sort of, laid out quite a a roadmap for the future of destiny today did they not
1: oh they absolutely did and i'll just say up front yes i've i'm huge destiny fan i've been there since day one through through all the ups and downs that is destiny and i will fully admit i've not been the happiest with the game over the past few months with just some of the things that they've done and i was well aware that they were aware they needed to change things so this reveal was very exciting to me because I'm like, they know that they can't keep doing what they're doing, so what do they have? And what we got is they showed off not only the next expansion, which is Destiny 2 Beyond Light, they went beyond that. They showed us the long-term roadmap for what they plan on doing with Destiny as a franchise. So in 2021, we're going to get the Witch King expansion, and then in 2022, we're getting Lightfall, which... May, is that the end of Destiny? Are they moving on to something else at that point? I mean, I guess we'll see at that time, but it's exciting that they're finally starting to embrace some of the things that us long term Destiny players have been looking for. We're finally getting a new subclass. We're embracing the darkness. They're introducing a new element damage type called Stasis. Um, we're getting, just on the console side, they're embracing the Series X and the PlayStation 5. We're getting 4K 60 frames per second. Uh, On console, which if you've been playing destiny on PC, it's literally a different game. So the fact that that's coming to console now is very exciting. They're also going to support generational cross play in year one, and they have future aspirations for just complete cross play, which that's that's the game changer right there. I mean, we have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have cross save now, which is great. So I'm able to jump to whatever platform my friends are on. But to be able to say, hey, I'm on my Xbox, and I get to play with my PC friends, my PlayStation friends, my, my my 12 Stadia friends, I guess, right, you know, but we're able to have that option is going to be amazing. But the other thing that they're doing, which really, I, I think it's a cool concept is they're having it's called the destiny content vault. So the game's just growing exponentially and it can't keep doing that. So they're going to start sunsetting some of the old areas in the game and basically put them in the vault. But at the same time, they're going to reach into the Destiny 1 bag, so to speak, and pull back some old areas. Current into Destiny 2. So, as an example, one of the first ones is going to be the Cosmodrome, which w- that's the OG. That's the original area in the game that we play in the alpha and the beta. That's coming back. Some of the old strikes are coming back. Vault of Glass is coming back. And they're going to obviously stage this over time. But it's exciting to see that now some of those old areas that are long forgotten in Destiny 1 are going to get a new enhanced life. And destiny Two, and and they'll do it seems like in a very smart way they're not going to just throw everything all at once and you'll see some areas return you'll see some current areas go away some of those er- ones that went away might come back in the future it the, the possibilities are endless when it comes to that so as a longtime destiny player I, i'm instantly excited for this because I, I i did a live stream this morning i was like well I know what I'm playing tonight. I'm going to start playing Destiny 2 again because this is the type of content. This is the direction I wanted Destiny 2 to go. And, yeah, it's great. And kudos to Bungie. The eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence they did at the start of that stream, I mean, means so much to me personally. And I know it means so much to a lot of other people out there. So kudos to them for doing what they do. It's it's, it's why I support them because I love that studio and I love those people over there.
0: And I, you've probably seen uh, their CEO Pete Parsons's tweets yes. from participating. You know, he part- he and other Bungie people participated in the Seattle uh, peaceful protest, and and uh, let's just say, I mean his his experiences were uh, clearly had a profound impact on him. Which, and he even said, "Hey, I'm a business leader, a, a corporate taxpaying business leader here in Seattle," and. I'm going to make my voice heard, my my corporate taxpaying voice heard, uh, which was so great to see, because that's that is how that's a big way that things are going to hopefully move forward for the
1: better. Absolutely. And and that's what needs to happen. It has to start happening at that level to invoke change. And just like you said, Pete Parsons and a lot of those people, you know, at Bungie were out protesting actively this weekend and peacefully. And what happened? I mean, obviously, this isn't a show to get into that. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad to see some changes is going to finally start happening.
0: Now, uh, a couple things. One that, that, that strikes me while you were talking there is I'm reminded, like, how quickly i forget uh destiny now and the destiny franchise will become a three a a, a three generation game because yes. remember there was a ps3 and 360 version that they supported for what a year or two i think after the game came out and came out in 2014 if I'm remembering, you would yeah, remember that, I think I've got yeah, right? 2014. Yeah, yes. But, but there was a 360 and PS3 version that they then discontinued support after a little while. So with, with them fully embracing Series X and uh, PS5, that means generate, uh, Destiny will span three console generations now, which I think about it and I go, man, it doesn't seem like Destiny's been around that long but it absolutely has. No, it, it has. We're,
1: we're going in the year six of Destiny. And, and just, just a quick little story on that. I've been playing it so long that my son, he was, you know, he was like nine years old at the time. He used to just sit and watch me. And then a couple years in. He started playing and then we started playing together and doing raids and all that. And it's like now he's way better than I am. He he laughs at me when I play because he's that good. And it's just crazy, like you said, the amount of time that, that's that gone on with that game. One other thing I forgot to say is it it looks like Destiny 2 will su- support smart delivery as far as being, being able to move over to the Series X and even the PlayStation 5 as well. There will be no cost to quote unquote upgrade to the PlayStation 5 version of Destiny 2. So, so that's good news. It's, it's great to see that they're able to support that and it's going to allow a lot of us to be able to continue to play together.
0: Now, the one the one there was actually one other thing I wanted to ask you before we move on from Destiny Paris. As a Destiny player, I've seen some chatter on my uh Twitter timeline this morning in, in light of all of the uh the the bungee announcements. Uh, number one, do you do you wanna see the two dropped off and just see it become destiny as just that's cuz it it's clear from what you've what you've said from from how uh Bungie is treating this moving forward it sure doesn't seem like there's going to be a destiny 3 like this is a singular living breathing entity i mean i guess it always kind of was but they did do a destiny 2 proper foundation to build off of but now that they're pulling in all this classic destiny stuff a do you, it, do you agree? Am I am I off base there, and that, thinking that there won't be a Destiny three? And and number two, do you think they should just drop the two and just call it Destiny?
1: I'll say it this way: I personally would would like to see them just drop the the number and just be Destiny, blah blah blah, whatever it is. But Luke Smith did say something interesting during the reveal today that this is why they're not doing a sequel right now because they would have to completely start from scratch and it over, and then you're trying to support two games at the same time, and it would just be a technical mess to do that. So this is almost their, their way of saying there won't be a Destiny 3, but leaving the door open way down the road, potentially if they wanted to completely just evolve the game into something different, they could slap a three on it. But I, I do agree. It seems like we're going to be living in Destiny 2 For a very long time moving forward. So maybe if I thought this would have been the moment to just drop the two, but clearly they didn't. So maybe they're leaving the door open potentially down the road to go to a Destiny three.
0: Now, and I guess the last point on this, to me, this the the Destiny content vault stuff that you're talking about that that they're doing, it almost seems like they're trying to do a a World of Warcraft classic kind of thing where they're running like the modern game if you want to play that. But hey, if you're old school, you want to take a trip down memory lane, they're still supporting the classic stuff too. Is that a... Do you think that's a... As a Destiny player, do you think that's a reasonable... Analogy?
1: I I think it is. I think it is because there's, because again, if you go back to Destiny 1, and I'll just stick with the raids for a second, you look at something like Vault of Glass, or you look at something like King's Fall, or even the Wrath of the Machine. Those are classic raids that, even if you were to play them today, they're they're a lot of fun, but they're kind of gated back in the old Destiny 1 with the old systems that have clearly evolved and changed. So it would be amazing to be able to go back into those scenarios. With with our old old eyes and some new eyes who've who've never experienced it and enjoy it together. So I, I completely agree. I definitely think they're doing a kind of a wild classic here where old and new can experience some of that content together.
0: Uh, let's stay on, de- on, on Bungie for a second, but step aside from Destiny, because uh we've got some hints this week as well about Bungie's post-well, not necessarily post-Destiny, but their next thing after Destiny. A posting for an incubation art director has shown up on the Bungie career portal, asking potential applicants if they would like to work on, quote, something comedic with lighthearted and whimsical characters, giving us a teensy glimpse at the tone the studio may be setting for its next game, Beyond Destiny. Other job listings help further illustrate the direction of Bungie's new IP. A position for incubation investment designer reveals that the game will have, quote, a wide variety of pursuit and loot systems, and notes that the, it re- that the role requires experience in, quote, fundamental RPG systems, uh, indicating that we can once again expect a game built on RPG principles. Quote, you will work in tandem with our sandbox and economy teams to build and distribute items to our players uh the position incubate of incubation senior lead combat designer also indicates that weapons armor and abilities will be a core component of the game's combat encounters so uh this sounds like a, a definite pivot tonally from destiny whatever they're they're thinking of next but but maybe not uh maybe they'll probably share some things sort of fundamentally
1: system-wise Yeah, I agree. It definitely sounds like, at its core, it it will be more of a a cousin to Destiny, more than anything, but definitely a a tone shift. And again, I'm way speculating here at this point, but remember they did the deal, God, with the Chinese company, and I can't think of the name. Yes. Maybe this is their... they're going to maybe maybe it's a mobile title maybe it's something that ventures off into you know I know Destiny 2 does a quasi free to play right now but maybe this is a, a free to play thing they can do it's a more casual experience so to speak so they can kind of attract more of a cat like if Destiny is is clearly shifting more towards an hardcore audience which is what the community has wanted, maybe this is their answer for a casual audience where, hey, there's not a lot of pressure on you to do this and, and that, and you can have a fun experience with your friends. Just you know, spitballing here, but it's clear, and I was even thinking about this when I saw it, if you really remember going back in the history of Bungie, part of the reason that they, they split with Xbox at the time was they had just become the Halo company or the Halo studio, and they wanted to do something else, which obviously is Destiny. We're already talking now. We're already into year six of Destiny. And there was obviously a lot of development time before that. So you have to think a lot of the core people at that studio may want to just do something else. So instead of actually having to leave the company, this is a way for them to pivot and and try something different for once.
0: Yeah, the uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind for me. One is, you know, I, so I confess, I I was a... Uh, kind of a Bungie, I don't know if expert's the right word, but I really followed Bungie super mm. closely in the Halo days, obviously I'm a big Halo guy. And uh, Jason Jones is the the sort of creative beating heart mm. of that studio. It's not to disparage any of the many talented people that work there, but he is kind of the the man behind the curtain. Uh, and he never gives interviews. I got to interview him once in, right in the run-up to Destiny's launch. And that was the first time he'd done an interview in 11 years so that's that's the kind of, like, he's totally the Wizard of Oz. And he, uh, he, he famously was incubating what became Destiny after Halo 2. Like, he went off after 2 and started to kind of think about what was next for Bungie. So I wonder if this sort of comical, lighthearted, whimsical thing is his next brainchild, or if this is just... You know, maybe that's other folks on the team that have cooked up something else that that they're spinning up here. But uh regardless, like, yeah, they, they are. Bungie is is, and I say this in a polite way, like they're a machine now. Like, they're oh, most yeah. developers, game development, you know, as you know well, know it takes hundreds of people. Sometimes one hundred, sometimes three hundred, but it takes a lot of people to make a triple A game. But most studios, in my experience, are still kind of in the 100 to 200 range of like full-time people at the studio. You know, you, you got contractors, you got various other people that come right. in. But Bungie, last I knew, and you you probably know better than me, is about like five to six hundred people in Kirkland, like I, in Kirkland, I Washington. There. I
1: think it's higher actually. Higher, yeah. yeah. They
0: are, yeah. They're just a massive, like monolithic enterprise all of their own they're not owned by you know they they broke their broke off their deal with activision they're not owned by microsoft obviously so they've I, but i say that in the in that they've got to find a way to keep feeding that their own machine like keep their employees going and creative and happy and 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 paid and successful so i guess it, it it'll be kind of interesting to see exactly what this other project is to your point of like how it can complement the the hardcore game that destiny is
1: i think i think a way to kind of look at it for 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 people that's watching or listening is look at cd project red because bungie is basically in a similar situation right now where cd project red is completely self-owned self-published and they've been working on you know cyberpunk forever they obviously did the witcher 3 but they also do things like like gwent and they obviously have ventures in gog and stuff like that so that's kind of a way where you're, you can have your hands in different things and you're not just literally making the same thing constantly. And I kind of think maybe this is where Bungie is headed to where instead of them just being the Destiny studio, this allows them, like you said, to kind of look at what's next and start doing other things to kind of diversify in, in, internally in the studio.
0: You know what this kind of reminds me of? And, and again, this might prove to be wildly unfair, but just from from hearing Whimsical, comical, more lighthearted. I wonder if this almost feels like this could be Bungie's Fortnite. Because remember, Epic was, they were Unreal, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War, Mm -hmm. like hardcore gamer, gritty, mature games. And then it turns out Fortnite is this (laughs) lighthearted, comic, whimsical thing that's turned into their their biggest thing. And this almost kind of feels like that to me with, with Bungie.
1: Yeah, it very well could be, because, again, bringing my son back into the conversation for a second, as much as he loves Destiny, he plays Fortnite a lot more. And I'm I'm sure Bungie would love to be able to get to that Fortnite level with what Epic is doing, and Destiny's just simply not built to do that. So it would require a new IP to be able to try and challenge that throne.
0: All right. Uh, you mentioned Paris Cyberpunk 2077 I yes. know from just anybody following you on Twitter knows you are you are very excited for this video <laughs> game. I mean many people are, but yeah, you are this is your your thing that you are looking for uh forward to, I should say. And, and boy, I mean the I saw you were trying to get your hands on the Cyberpunk 2077 custom Xbox One X console and apparently it is sold out everywhere. I'm kind of curious if you were able to track one down and or how that's going for you.
1: Yes, yes I was and I I want to and I will formally thank them later, but there there's some anonymous people right now that really helped me out to get that console. Because like you said, I remember I woke up at like five that morning. I was like, huh, it's on sale. Should I get it? Maybe. No. Yes. No. And then I had some some people put a lot of peer pressure. I was like, dude, come on You only live once. Go get it. Okay. I'll go get it. Oh no, it's sold out everywhere. And then, yeah, some people helped me out to get it. So I actually, I think it might arrive today. Nice. Ironically enough, today or tomorrow, I should be getting it.
0: Yeah. And the, the sort of interesting note about this is not just that it exists and not that it's sold out, but apparently they didn't even message this until it's, it's been discovered. Now it comes with some future DLC. So if if you've got this thing, there's a little, just a little extra value in it besides the, what seems like collectability of the thing as well. Cause based on the response, it sounds like, if you want, you might be able to flip this thing for a profit.
1: Yeah, it's the, the prices on eBay right now are outrageous. But but one thing I wanted to comment on, because this, this kind of goes back in the Xbox, because I, I can't remember if you guys have talked about this. Um, my, my thought, I'm going to play Cyberpunk on PC. So my yeah. thought was when the code comes in, I'm just going to give it away to the community or something like that. And I was talking about that on Twitter and someone pointed out to me that you can't do that anymore. And I go, what do you mean? Because now Xbox has that feature where basically the code is built into the hardware. So when you get these console bundles that have games included, the gamertag that you sign in with, that game is now bound to that gamertag, to that account. So you can't you don't just have a code to give away. And I would assume they're doing this to to stop kind of the the resale market that's probably happening on eBay and things like that. But I had no clue until a couple of days ago that they were doing that. And then I went to Xbox.com and actually read their article about it.
0: Yeah, that's that seems to be a newer policy. And you're right, like it's 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 that's clearly what it's uh, an attempt to to help curb. But go figure that you're trying to do something magnanimous right. for the for, you're trying to be a nice yeah. guy and give the thing away and you won't be able to do it, which is uh which is a shame. Uh, but let's see here. What do we got, man? There, there's still how much time we got? 35 minutes. We got plenty more to go here. Uh, Infinity Ward, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, uh, continues to be a big game. And Infinity Ward taking to the community to post a, a message. They they are they say they are taking steps to try and clean up the Modern Warfare community. They tweeted out: "There is no place for racist content in our game. This is an effort we began with launch, and we need to do a better job." We're issuing thousands of daily bans of racist and hate-oriented names, but we know we have more to do. This includes adding additional resources to monitor and ID racist content, adding additional in-game reporting systems to increase the number of bans by hour, adding filters and greater restrictions on name changes, evaluating in-game improvements to make it easier to report offenses, and increasing permanent bans to root out repeat uh, repeat offenders. I I mean, I can't I can't imagine what the 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 sort of daunting task of trying to police a game that sells 10 15 20 million units and has a vibrant community but I just don't understand how this they just don't have tools built in to the game that that will block a lot of this stuff like I know that's a completely ignorant thing to say I'm not a game developer but it's just it astounds me that it that it took it took tectonic shifting events in the world to even get infinity ward to, to sort of snap out of it and go, Oh, we need to do better at this.
1: No, completely agree with you, and 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 kudos to to Infinity Ward for Activision for actually stepping up and saying yeah. we realize this is something that needs to be addressed. And I would also throw in that I saw Brian Gerard over at three four three talking about this for Halo that they know they need to do a better job, and obviously Halo Infinite's coming out, so a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that game. So. I would fully expect them to talk about this more in the upcoming months as well. And if you give me one second, I also mentioned, um, EA, um, I've been a part of a program with EA and it's called building healthy communities where they've reached out, out to people, you know, people like me to bring us in, to talk about these things, to talk about what can EA do better to basically police, you know, in their online games and what kind of tools are needed, what kind of reporting is needed. And I'll just simply say, Doesn't matter the game. It comes back to this. It comes back to accountability. We we lack the accountability in a lot of these online games where people can remain anonymous, and it brings out the worst in people when you do that. So again, I'm I'm not a game developer. I don't know how easy or hard it's going to be, but to me, that is the solution. When people are actually held accountable for their actions and the punishment is quick and severe, I think we'll see a lot of this stuff go away in the industry.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned EA like that's, I mean, it's, I'm, I didn't know that. I mean, that's great to hear that they're they are uh, doing that kind of outreach with the community to try and, and better themselves. But then this very, uh, I actually, I didn't, I I wasn't going to do this story only because we're already sort of talking about the same thing with call of duty, but NHL of of all things, NHL this week has had uh, rampant problems in the same area where players are complaining that there are no tools, right? To ex- your exact point to report this stuff, that that to uh, to help try and combat this, and so it makes it exceptionally difficult for for the developers and and the support staff at EA to try and to try and clean this stuff up, and and so I guess if nothing else, hopefully, I mean not that. You want to not that there's any really silver lining in in anything that's going on right now as far as the gaming the the toxicity in the gaming world, but maybe it will finally wake up these big publishers to take much more definitive action. Uh, to your point about accountability,
1: yeah, I mean, and that's really the thing. Look, there, there's been obviously a lot a lot of terrible things that's been happening in the world recently, but I try to look at the good out of all of this. And now we're having these conversations. And and that's the key. We're actually talking about it. People in positions to actually make change are talking about this now. And look, it's not going to happen overnight. We we obviously have to be patient on it. But- Eventually, I do think we're going to get there. I mean, there, there's no magical light switch for it. But like you said, it's going to come down to getting the proper tools in place in these games, to get the right reporting, and to actually get the community to believe that when they do report an offense like this, that something happens. If if people are seeing that stuff is happening, people are going to be more willing to actually report it and talk about it. And then if there are actions and suspensions and whatever bans that are happening, then, yeah, this stuff is going to start to get cleaned up. So. Look, everything's unfortunate right now that's happening. But I do think if you look long term, I do think there is a silver lining there that, you know, so- something good is going to come out of this.
0: It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in the way of like the, the, the people at the at the very top are going to actually to exactly what you said about accountability. It's the top of the companies are going to start to hold their direct reports accountable, who are going to hold yep. their direct reports accountable, <laughs> then, which yeah, will, hopefully, yeah, will hopefully institute meaningful and productive and good change. Uh, speaking of EA, we're not done with them quite yet. They are doing cross-play for the first time with Need for Speed Heat. EA and Criterion announcing that Need for Speed Heat uh, today becomes the first EA game to feature cross-play, Criterion GM Matt Webster posting a letter on EA's official site explaining that after an update that is out today, Heat is the first EA title to ever feature crossplay across PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Quote: We're thrilled to let you all know that on June 9th, that's today, Need for Speed Heat will be the first EA title to offer crossplay, meaning that players, regardless of their platform, can jump into Palm City together as one unified community. Uh, and as we at Criterion shift gears into the future, with full focus on developing the next Need for Speed game, this will be our final update for Need for Speed Heat. Well, that's—I mean, this is good to see. I mean, this is yeah, there's nothing good. nothing to complain about here. Um, and my point, the thing I took out of this, Paris, is I'm hoping this bodes well for next gen. That now that these companies—and and really, this is credit to Microsoft by and large. Microsoft has really dragged a lot of these companies kicking and screaming to this point.
1: No, completely agree. And like you said, I, I think this bodes well for next gen. Obviously, at the top, we talked about Bungie. They're already talking about it, that they want to implement it for their game. So I think when you look just across the landscape and and kudos to Microsoft, obviously, and kudos to Epic and Fortnite, because I think that game being so powerful forced all this across the industry that, yeah, we are going to see more and more titles do cross-play, and then when you even look, just sticking to Xbox, if you look at what they're doing for next-gen, I've, I've long said Microsoft no longer cares where you play their games, as long as you're playing them, be it across Xbox One, Series X, Lockhart, PC, the Coleco Vision they there, brought that bad, Project X Cloud, it doesn't matter. So that by itself promotes cross play because they're going to want their community to be united across multiple hardware platforms so so absolutely i think this is just ea testing the waters so that they can see all right as we get into next gen battlefield as an example whenever battlefield 6 comes out you know maybe that's a huge triple a game for them that promotes cross play we've obviously already seen call of duty doing cross play in some form so yeah i i just think they're, they're testing it out and as we get into these next gen games we're going to see a lot more of them adopt cross play
0: now it's it's interesting. Need for Speed. It's I have to be honest. I don't think about Need for Speed much, which is weird because if you're, you Need for Speed, you know well, used to be just this annual cash cow for EA. Yeah. Just every year it would sell huge, and it was usually pretty good. But in recent years, EA's EA kind of backed off of it as it as it had sort of lost some momentum. And uh, to their credit, they they stopped putting it out every year and they've just focused on one game at a time one studio uh from Criterion after after the shift from Ghost cuz the Ghost is doing other stuff now so um that said if 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 Criterion's only just now really shifting their focus over the next game which i imagine it was probably already in pre-production while another team was working on updates like crossplay for Heat got to figure holiday 2022 at the earliest for the next need for speed game right
1: yeah, you would think. Yeah, I would think so. Most likely, twenty twenty two. So, and I say, I'll say, I'll say one other thing. Since you mentioned Criterion, I, I I just feel like EA is just missing a gold mine, not bringing back Burnout. Oh, I was hoping and, you'd say that. And 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 just because I look at Forza Horizon, and I'm not the biggest Forza Horizon person, but I understand how how well well received it is and how much people love it. I mean, EA, it's like Burnout is just screaming to the rooftops that's that's us let let us do that so i really hope when we get get a nice ea played next gen surprise and criterions making burnout or something like that i think it'd be really good
0: uh that would nothing very few things in gaming would make me happier than that because i'm yeah. with you i am i am such a, a a burnout aficionado i love that series but i you know it's i think just without being able to listen in through the walls at ea it would seem like a a stopping a big problem with that is getting is that remember burnout doesn't have officially licensed cars because they're wrecking the heck out of them right so i which i imagine that the the car manufacturers don't want to license their cars only to see them like decimated in you know in screenshots and videos on the internet so i wonder if that's kind of the because you know you do need those name brand cars and car and car companies to sell a car game, which Horizon's able to do. But Horizon isn't isn't flinging them into buildings, right? right and blowing them up. But yeah. I'm I'm so so with you, man. Uh, a next gen burnout would be oh, that would that would make my day for
1: <laughs> yes, sure. Yes, it would absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. One more story this week before we'll move on to the loot box question. Uh, EA's E3 equivalent, EA Play, which they've of course been doing the last few years, EA officially pulled out of E3 a few years ago. They have pushed that back a week uh, Mm -hmm. as as Sony had pushed back. Everybody's been kind of uh, pushing events back a week to give the world time to think about what's been going on, uh, which I certainly applaud. EA has announced that EA Play Will will now happen uh, instead of this week. It'll be June nineteenth. Uh, excuse me. Excuse, sorry. June eighteenth at four p.m. Pacific. That's seven p.m. Eastern time. So if you're a European listener, sorry, they are is uh, yeah. programming <laughs> very late for you guys uh, across the Atlantic. But uh, what? So I'm fine. Who doesn't matter? It just means it's one less week right, Paris, to wait yeah. when these games are actually yeah, exactly. announced and we're waiting for them. But uh, what what do you think we might see at EA Play this year?
1: Okay, I'm going to be very selfish. Uh, okay, let's get this out of the way. I'm sure we'll get a Battlefield teaser. You know, obviously we're going to see their their sports lineup, things yeah. of that nature. I'm sure we'll get a teaser from Respawn for the next thing of Apex. We'll, I'm sure we'll get something for Star Wars. But I am selfishly saying right now to everyone watching and listening to this, this event will be a failure to me if we do not get the Mass Effect trilogy remake, remaster, whatever they call it. I have to have this. I have to have it. They need to bring this out on next-gen consoles. I need Mass Effect too. It is one of the greatest games ever made. Period. And I need to play it again. So please, EA, do it. It's long overdue.
0: So the rumors won't go away. Like you're not right. just you're not talking out of school here. The, the, right. There are rumors of this thing that do not want to go away. And, I mean, can you think of a better way for Bioware to to start to heal their this wounded reputation, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That brings back so much goodwill. And I'm sure they'll talk about Dragon Age and things like that. But that brings back so much goodwill because that trilogy of games are so beloved. And, like I said, I obviously say Mass Effect 2 specifically because I love that game so much that – to give me an excuse to go back and replay those of course and and you have so many of the younger generation now who hasn't played mass effect what better way to introduce them into that franchise than to bring back the originals 4k 60 frames ray tracing everything else they will be able to do on the next gen consoles
0: well that and i mean even though we'd only be one generation it would just be one generation difference if it's on series x and ps5 the entire Mass Effect trilogy came in the in the early part of uh right. of the of the current generation. I mean, it was holiday 2007, the basically the about the 2-year anniversary of the 360 and only the of course at that point it was an Xbox exclusive. The PS3 had only been out 1 year at that point and then uh if memory serves I believe Mass Effect 2 was feb january or february of 20 january
1: january 26 2010
0: <laughs> okay thank you yes
1: exactly <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> so, how, that's how much i like the game yeah
0: so uh well are you so tell me why uh because everybody i talk to nobody ever says three is their favorite and i think i think three gets a little bit of a of an unfair shake but that's maybe a separate conversation what what is it about 2 versus 1 for you that you that you adore 2 the most?
1: I thought they really fixed the combat in Mass Effect 2 versus the original and they really gave you freedom to try some of the different classes and I I just thought the encounters that you would have in various scenarios were really good but when you look at at the voice cast that they put together you look at that story that they had like you actually cared about these characters you cared what happened to them when you go on on the suicide mission at the end like the first time i played it i lost a team member and I, it hurt me it was like yeah. i have to go back and play this and i have to make sure everyone survives and that's what was so good about it to me it was literally that that dirty dozen is what Mass Effect 2 was and and with you on 3 I'm in the camp of disappointment because I felt like they didn't they didn't follow up on on so much that they did from 2 as far as some of the storylines that ended from 2 and 3 I was like wait really that that's how it ends and, and and it felt like a letdown to me and I know people a lot of people obviously were very upset with that ending and they changed it and all that and Mass Effect 3 wasn't a bad game it's just coming off of two. It wasn't as good of a game, if if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I'm a one guy. Like, I totally agree. Like, the combat in two and three was was way better. But yeah, man, for me, it, it the first one just felt like a space opera, which is what it was originally yes. intended to be. Like when you went to the Citadel, it was this huge place. Like it felt like you were on this massive cosmic hub right where all these different walks of life from around the galaxy would come and and in mass effect 2 the citadel was literally like two rooms they right. they really pared it down but yeah it's so it's always interesting to me to talk to people who prefer one or the other because there's no right or wrong answer right there 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 are these really clear strengths about about each of those games and it will be interesting to see if it does come back, if you get your wish and the trilogy remaster is is confirmed, how it would be received, what, 10 plus years later?
1: And now, I do think, and again, this is why maybe this is more of a long-term thing, I do think they need to... It doesn't need to be a simple remaster, but almost a remake in a way, because I yeah. think to see it take advantage of, of technology now and even with these new consoles coming out with the fast load times, like imagine going to the Citadel and there's no more 20 minute elevator rides where everything is instantaneous. I mean, and I'll selfishly bring Cyberpunk into this. Part of my excitement for that is this open world of Night, Night City, this this dark future where there's no load times. You can just go wherever you want apply that to the Citadel, apply that to these planets that you'll be able to explore if that was possible in a Mass Effect. And maybe that's the next Mass Effect game comes out and they can't achieve that with with the current games, but that's what I think about and that's what excites me when when, when I think about what they potentially could do with the remasters of these games.
0: Well, I'll throw, just last thing, I'll throw a little bit more fuel on your hype fire here, Paris, because uh, we saw very recently the tech demo For Unreal Engine 5. Yes. And now Mass the the Mass Effect trilogy was built on Unreal. It wasn't until, you know, of course, EA has has made just about every in-house studio except for respawn use Frostbite and Mass Effect Andromeda use Frostbite. Uh and but so imagine if they remade the trilogy in Unreal Engine 5. How
1: how good would that be? Oh, it would be amazing. And I I guess, now that you bring that up, that's kind of the hope because obviously, you know, Frostbite, hey, take it or leave it, whatever, but we know that Mass Effect has worked using that Unreal Engine and it seems that EA... Is loosening the reins on mandating that every studio use that and obviously, like you said, respawn Jedi Fallen Order didn't use it. So there's there's hope. And that tech demo was very impressive. And it and it really sets up the next generation of gaming and some of the possibilities we're gonna see with these games. Like I'll have to bring Xbox into it. Think about it, Hellblade 2 is gonna be on Unreal. So imagine what that's gonna be. It's like there's the, oh gear gear six, whenever that comes it's going to be on Unreal Engine 5. I mean, it's, yeah, the possibilities are endless. I'm very excited for it.
0: All right, uh, let's do the loop box real quick. Sure. So this, this is, uh, we get listeners to send in just a question, just just something to ponder here. So let's talk real quick. We've got uh, just, this person just wanted to be identified by their gamer tag, which is Sergeant Azimuth. Asks this, which character from one franchise would you like to see... Uh, would you like to play with in another game universe no explanation no context needed just just drop them in uh they'd just be there a couple of examples this person uh cites are master chief and marcus phoenix joining up in the gears universe or how ori would might be in cuphead i like that one ori and cuphead would be really cool any anything come to mind for you there paris
1: Yes and and I thought about this and since it was one character I'll just take one character cuz I was going to cheat but and 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 again this goes back to my wish list that I see hope we see in July. I'm a huge banjo kazooie fan. Huge. Like I I was Fingers were crossed at E3 last year that they were going to announce it. So I'm fingers crossed again that we get a true Banjo-Kazooie platformer to come back to Xbox in the near future. It would just make my day. But sticking along those lines, the one character I would love to see would be Mario going into the Banjo. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, it would be so good. I, I just think that would, that would be an, an amazing crossover to see. So that, that would be the character. It would be Mario going into the Banjo universe. I mean, Mario's no stranger to
0: crossovers. He's been doing yes. it for decades. And well,
1: if I have to cheat, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if I want to cheat for a second, my original thought was I wanted to see the Rabbits go into Banjo. It's kind of like when I mean, you had that <laughs> Mario <laughs> plus Rabbids, that was yes. a great game on the Switch. I would love yes. to see the Rabbids invade the banjo universe, but I think Mario would be good too.
0: Yeah, and there, I mean, it's you're you're not exactly pipe dreaming because Nintendo has shown a willingness to do partnerships yeah. with with a lot of people, including Microsoft. I mean, you know, we've seen some some uh, Xbox games head over to the Switch, and you know, it's it's not unheard of. It could happen, yeah. and I like where your head's at. Uh for me. I'm going to dip back to a familiar well. Uh, you know, you're you're thirsting, you're hungry for that Mass Effect re- remake. For me, I've been dying for the return of Sam Fisher and Splinter Cell oh, yes, for, yes. for a very, very long yes. time. We're now coming up on the seven-year anniversary of the last Splinter Cell game. Uh, it's coming up in August, so just a couple months away. It's been a long time. Uh, and so for me... I would love to see Joanna Dark join Sam Fisher as his protege and have the Splinter Cell and Perfect Dark universes merge into one new franchise where they could they could both be in it maybe you know Sam's playable for a little while and then and then hands the baton off and becomes just the the Lambert voice in uh in Joanna's ear moving forward so that would be my that would be my pipe
1: dream oh, cross that would be amazing and and if i could just a side note please i i hope the rumors that we've heard are true and perfect dark is coming back i i truly hope we see that in july because that franchise is just just overdue i mean think about it it's been gone for 15 years now that's crazy so yeah, yeah. i really want that to come back
0: yeah a long time wow yeah you're right that was that was a day one launch title 2005 yeah. my goodness Whew man time flies how was that 15 years
1: ago already <laughs> that's We're <getting> old. <laughs> yep
0: would you now real quick would you be fine with uh if banjo 3e exists at some point rare realistically rare seems pretty busy right they've got part of the team that's continuing to support sea of thieves and then they've got Everwild. what if uh riddle me this what if what if Double Fine made it? Would you be cool with that?
1: I might pass out if that happens because <laughs> of, of all, like, I wasn't even thinking of that studio with Banjo, but it's almost perfect.
0: All right? Oh, they're doing absolutely. Psychonauts 2 right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would love that. Absolutely.
0: I mean, Tim, Tim Schaefer writing a banjo game?
1: Yeah, that's that what I mean. Be, just, yeah. I, I can just, I can see just the, the grunty, grunty with her comedic banter just you know shaming banjo and kazooie throughout oh it would be so good so good oh i would love it well
0: hopefully uh phil spencer's taking notes right now yes i know he listens yes phil
1: listen listen (laughs) please
0: (laughs) he listens at the dog park that's what i learned uh that's 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 his unlocked listening time all right. Uh, let's see. Should we? I guess we'll let's. I'll test you on trivia. Why not? It's it's just okay. me and you, and I already know the answer from having having read the email. I don't know if you're a big fighting game fan, Paris. I am not. I am not either. All right. So, well, maybe. So. let's we'll, we'll uh, give Joshua from uh, from our the IGN audience a shout. Who, by the way, his gamer tag is. Don't read my gamer tag on the air. Instead, ask people to please donate to the NAACP legal defense and education fund, which by the way, you can find a link to at the very top of the IGN homepage, very right up at the top. You'll see the, the interlocked shaking hands, click on that link. That will take you to that page where you can uh, donate to the NAACP legal defense and education fund. So thank you, Joshua for that. That's the best gamer tag I've ever heard in my life. Uh, so this stumped me again, Paris. But take a shot. The original Xbox, Joshua writes, wasn't exactly known for its fighting games, but it still had a few notable ones. You know, you had Dead or Alive three, Def Jam, Fight for New York. Uh, you had of course, Tao Fang, Fist of the Lotus. Uh, it had its fair share. One of his, he says, one of my all time favorites was Capcom versus SNK two Eo, which is you know, Eo. It featured a play mode that mapped all the special moves to simple gestures or cardinal directions on the right stick. So it just had like super simplified control option if you wanted to play that way. So he says, with that in mind, what did that acronym EO stand for? Was it energetic output, easy operation, extreme offensive, or everyday occurrence? Bear in mind that sometimes... The, these names get translated over from Japanese, and it's it sounds uh, maybe a little unusual to us. Yeah. But there's you've you've got uh, four choices there, and again, this stumped me. I tried to guess before I I looked at the bottom of his email. I did not get this right.
1: Okay, so the fact that you said that, I, let me say this first before I answer. So going back to your last episode, shout out to Khalif Adams who you had on. He's a dear friend. I love him. He's awesome. death. When you guys were doing the, 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 um, the, the Halo trivia, and he said, Halo 3 Helljumpers, I was screaming. <laughs> I was screaming at, at, my, at my phone. I go, it's recon, it's recon. <laughs> so, with that said, Khalif, this one is for you. I'm going to guess that it is D, Everyday Occurrence. It's a
0: solid guess because you know again you're thinking maybe kind of a strange translation yeah. but uh but it was in fact easy operation. Oh, see, you you tricked Shorty me because Joshua, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my job as the host is yeah. to not yeah. make it too easy on you. Maybe yeah. maybe th- throw a little red herring into the mix. So, uh Joshua gets big credit for for stumping the panel. The panel of one today. You're you're yeah. very gracious Paris to uh to, to fall on that sword with, with no other Unlocked panelists to also yeah. get it wrong. <laughs> but uh, a, a noble attempt, Joshua, great job stumping uh, stumping us there, both of us on that one. So if anybody out there has a trivia question, I could use more good ones to test the panel with. Send your Xbox trivia question for multiple choice answers. Please note the correct one in your email. And you can send that to unlocked at IGN.com. That's also where you can send loot box questions for the panel as well. All right. uh, We are all done, Paris. I I cannot thank you enough for coming on. This was a really enjoyable episode for me. I I had a great time. I mean, you and I have not actually talked since I think we ran into each other on the E3 show for a while back. So it's been too long. Let's not, I I will do my best to not let it be so long again. Uh, Let's, Promote yourself now. And now that the unlocked audience, I mean, they know you a little bit, but it maybe this is their first time hearing you on this show, maybe not. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Where can we watch you and listen so, to you as well?
1: Absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter at vicious696. I'm usually on there rambling about something. Um, our podcast is gamertag radio, gamertagradio.com. Search in your favorite you know, iTunes, Spotify, RSS feed, you'll be able to find us pretty easy. Um, And I've also started a YouTube channel, which I've, I've started to get a little bit of traction on. And um just, just search my name because the URL is dumb. It's Paris, P-A-R-R-I-S. And I'm mainly going to be talking. I do live streaming on there, and I, I, I talk about Destiny. And I'm going to be talking about a lot, ton of cyberpunk when that comes out. So give it a shot. Check it out. And I uh, appreciate all the support.
0: Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, Gamertag Radio. You guys, uh, not too long ago, I mean, everything before the pandemic feels like a decade ago, but not too long ago, you guys celebrated your 1,000th episode with Phil Spencer.
1: Yes, we got Phil Spencer, and this was back in February, which seems like it was 20 years ago, but we celebrated the 1,000th episode of Gamer Tag Radio, and Phil Spencer was gracious enough to come on, and we talked everything about Series X and just their philosophy, you know, leading into that, and obviously a lot of that's been revealed now, which, by the way, now that we have a direct chance to talk, Kudos to you for your interview with Phil Spencer and the extended discussion that you had because it was a great conversation. I love how candid he is with everything that they're they're doing over at Xbox. And it really gets me excited for the future of, of what they're going to
0: do. Yeah, you're very kind. Thank you for saying that. It's uh, Phil, yeah, Phil, it's a rare treat to get to talk to him. And I always I always put a lot of pressure on myself to try and make the most of those opportunities. But yeah. you're right. He's just so like, because the thing is, Phil and and I'm not taking shots at anybody else, but it's Phil is a real gamer. He like you have probably played destiny with Phil either by design or by accident because he just plays all the time. And he's like, he's out, he plays everything. He's got his, he's got his ear to the ground, not from some corporate ivory tower, but from the ground, he is, he is out there playing games every day. So um, yeah, it's always a treat to talk to him and, and uh, yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we're gonna have to do like a crossover episode at some point. Yeah, something. Tag radio and unlock. Maybe when the series X launches, we should just join forces and and make it happen. Absolutely, that'd be a lot of fun. Would be fun. In fact, I mean, there's no excuse now because we're all just we're all just little windows on a screen.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're all home. Hey, we could, we are all doing it remote. So absolutely.
0: Well, Paris, thank you so much. You can find uh, me on Twitter real quick, DMC underscore Ryan. And again, I'll just promote IGN Summer of Gaming kicking off now. Go to IGN.com or YouTube.com slash IGN. Uh, But Paris, thank you again. This was an absolute treat for me. Come back anytime. Door is always open. And uh, listen to Gamertag Radio. Check out the Paris YouTube channel. Get the, the latest and greatest there. And that's it, my friends. We will see you all next week.